God declares, Great is the mystery, hidden through the ages and generations, but is now revealed and offered for those whom have eyes to see. An altar call will usually begin with words that encourage the simplicity of accepting Jesus into our hearts. But the profoundness of this act can never be interpreted by the candor of man. God manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached by man, received into glory, and offered to every man, woman, and child, bar none. The complexity and depth of these words can be digested and absorbed by the world's greatest minds for decades, yet it would still fall far short of its mark. Join us now as we investigate the world's great mystery of salvation in Jesus. I am Mark Russick, and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Good day, everyone. Hi, this is Mark Russick. You're listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, very appreciative of your time, and I thank you for joining us. And I trust and hope that today's topic will be uh, an eye-opener for you. And even though you may say, oh, I understand this because we are talking about what I consider the world's great mystery, perhaps greatest mystery, salvation in Jesus Christ. If you are a Christian, you may say, oh, I've got this down. I know what this is. Trust me, there may be some uh, passages and maybe some things that we'll look at that you may not have seen before. Uh, I I know for myself, when I studied this, I I was surprised at some of the things um, that were revealed, and even the Apostle Paul called it the great mystery. Uh, It's written in Timothy, and when you think about it for a second, just, you know, put a different hat on whether you know Jesus as Lord or you've accepted him or not. And and perhaps if you're listening, maybe you don't believe in, in Jesus or you don't believe in God. But consider just for a second that God is real and that he sent his son to step out of heaven into the earth and to present himself as a sacrifice for all of mankind's sins and then in turn is resurrected and leaves his spirit in you or offers his spirit to live in you so that he may live in you throughout your life or throughout the, the time that which you may accept him. So I, I, that's, that's really what I want to talk about. And, I, and I, trust me, there will be some things here that I'm, I'm sure some of you may have overlooked or just may not realize. It's, it's, it's just a, it's, it's a tremendous gift. And uh, whether you believe in Jesus or not, I, I encourage you to just listen to me all the way through and, and perhaps just shift your paradigm just for a second here. Um, I, I ask if you could, if you enjoy topics like this, please hit the like and subscribe button, ring the bell on, on YouTube. This really helps us, whether you're or, or, or listening on all the different podcast platforms we're on, all the social media, it helps us get the information out. We're trying to uh, get into the algorithms and, and again, ultimately to engage people uh, for what I consider, uh, you know, it's a passion of mine, which is the veracity of Christ in Scripture. And, and, you know, there's from an intellectual standpoint or a personal standpoint, your experience, uh, you know, the evidence is overwhelming and, and that's the way we look at things. So uh, on that note, I'm going to just jump right into it. So again, we're going to be talking about the world's great mystery. So I'd like you, if you can, if you're watching on video, I'm, I'm reading Colossians 1:26 through 27 uh, on, on the right-hand side. 
and it says the word mystery here twice in Scripture, and, and I've highlighted that. And, and this is the Apostle Paul, the mystery that has been hidden throughout the ages and generations, but has now been revealed to his saints. So it's it's been a mystery, and it was hidden well before his time. It was known, and, and if you're familiar with the Old Testament, there's scores and scores of prophecies saying, this is what is to come. And then it goes on to say, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And singling out the Gentiles because first presented to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. And ultimately we're talking about the gift of salvation as is for all mankind. But it is Christ in you, which is what I talked about in, in that opening, which is the, what, the, the great mystery, which is the hope of glory in you. I'm going to jump down to Colossians 2, verses 2 through 3. And again, Apostle Paul. I want their hearts to be encouraged and united in love so that they may have all the riches of assured understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery that is Christ himself. So he's saying Christ is or is a mystery. That, that is the mystery of, of the triune Godhead. It is Jesus Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Wouldn't you like to have all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge? And that is available to you. And, and trust me, you know, it, it, let's just say the offering is there, and, and I'm sure we would spend eternity availing ourselves to all of those treasures. You can't just take that in in one swoop, or I would say in one lifetime. But I, I wanted to jump down to the to the definition of the word mystery. Uh, so, so we, I have this here on the bottom. It says something not understood or beyond understanding. So again, the knowledge of God's mystery. So it's beyond our understanding. Some synonyms uh, I, I looked up, and it says puzzle, enigma, or conundrum. So God's puzzle or God's enigma is Christ Himself. And now I'm going to look at 1 Timothy 3.16. I find this scripture to be so rich, it's, it's incredible. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. For God was manifested in the flesh, that's Jesus, justified in the spirit, seen by angels. So he's seen by angels, seen in heavenly places, in the spiritual realm he's known, and, and he's appeared in the flesh. He is preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory, meaning the resurrection. So, I mean, here, here you have, if you think about it, again, God, Jesus left the earth. He was given this assignment and this mission. Uh, and you can go back to, to Genesis 3 in the Garden of Eden, when, when ultimately uh, uh, the Lord prophesied the end from the beginning. He prophesied that this day was coming and Satan's death sentence was already uh, set in motion. So this was already set in motion, and, and here we have it. Um, so I, you know, I just wanted to kind of preface it and set the stage that mystery is declared in the New Testament, uh, and, and it is the Word of God himself. So even God acknowledges that great is this mystery. So there's a very famous uh, scripture. If, if you are a Christian, I'm sure you know it. If you're seeing this on video, it says, who do you say I am? So let me look at it this way. At the end of his life and ministry, Jesus asks 
this question that ultimately you all will have to answer. So I'm reading from Matthew 16, uh, verses 13 through 19 here. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. His reply, Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answers, and he says, You are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, saying, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So, again, this mystery is really revealed at that point to Peter, and Peter speaks it out. And and really what he's saying is, in the natural, you could not have known or understood that unless that great revelation was revealed to you by my Father who is in heaven, by our Father. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So the the great magnitude of authority that has been given to him, not by nothing he does on his own, but by everything that Christ does in him, Jesus reveals that to him. So that's even part of more of the riches of the mystery of of what God has done. So I say that ultimately you will have to answer this question one way or another. So what he says to his apostles and what he says to Simon Bar-Jonah, he is saying to you, and if you're listening to this and he says this to to everyone, you know, Jesus says, "I, I, I am knocking at the door of your heart, but whether it is if you understand or whether you open the door, that's ultimately up to you. But we all have to ask this answer, I should say, this ultimate question. So if the Bible truly is the Word of God, our answer to that question about faith in Jesus determines our ultimate destiny. And I'll go on to say that the Word of God is true. So I, I you know, your answer, whether you want to answer it or not, is, is, is still your answer, meaning that if you avoid the question, you've answered no. So we cannot evade our responsibility. Uh, we must face the reality, whether the acceptance or the consequences of our rejection of God's plan for salvation. So it's, it's up to you. It's, it's, very, it's very clear. So I wanted to read for you uh, Acts one twenty six thirty one. There's a, there's a number of things here, and again, I, I'm, I'm just really diving into the riches of, of certain scriptures here. And uh, I, I hope you'll bear with me. But it says here, Acts one twenty six through 31. And he is made from one blood every nation of men. So right away, everyone is, is taken from one blood. To, to dwell on all of the face of the earth, he has determined their pre-appointed times and boundaries. God has called you to wherever you are, whether, it, you know, I'm in America, I'm in New York, whether, you know, you're in Ireland, in Asia, in, in Africa, Australia, it doesn't matter. That's where the Lord has called you. Um, so that they should see, then it goes on to say, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each of us. So, and, and as, I, as I said, he's as close to you as you want him to be. It's ultimately uh, it's it's up to you. And if you don't believe in him and you want to, then it is that simple. 
Um, For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone. This is not about riches. This is not about puffing yourself up. This is not about, oh, I'm going to get a beautiful house. I'm going to have a beautiful boat, a beautiful job, a beautiful husband, a beautiful wife, a beautiful child. This is about the beauty of Jesus in you. And truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. If he's calling everyone to repent, that means we are all sinners. And I'm going to show you something very simple in a second concerning that. Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. So there will come a time, uh, and, and, and there will come a time, you know, even when you die, where you're going to go, but then there is a final judgment, um, which I, I, I don't want to go down that road, but it's it's called the white throne judgment, where everyone will give an account. Uh, but he has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. I've covered this before. I, I've looked at, you know, the resurrection, the absolute undeniable proof of the resurrection. We looked at old historical records, accounts of people seeing Jesus, knowing Jesus, uh, as many as 500 at one time. Uh, we've looked at all different outside sources, the validity of Christ being resurrected and raised from the dead. And then we see that in the Old Testament, the prophecies, and then sure enough, exactly as the prophets laid it out, hundreds and sometimes over a thousand years. Uh, and, and then, you know, he winds up fulfilling it. And then to the point where 2,000 years after his death, here we are living in him, or he living in us, I should say. But knowing all this, knowing he knows everything about you, I still, you know, I marvel at the fact that he still prays for you. Uh, he is your high priest. So, you know, just as Jesus went to the garden and, and, and prayed before his, his crucifixion, he still prays and intercedes for you. He sent his spirit to pray for you. He sent angels to help you. And, you know, I, I guess maybe I'm getting on a little bit of a soapbox, preacher box, but th- that is the reality of it. And, and I can't help myself because this is, you know, it is the great mystery, but it is the great offering. It is the great gift that has been, been, that has been uh, presented to all mankind. And it's this gift, whether you want to open up the, the wrappings or not, it's up, it's up to you. So I talked about how uh, we're all sinners, and, and Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This, this, scripture, <clears throat> I'm sorry, this scripture declares that our sinful rebellion has alienated each of us from the holiness of God. Continued rebellion and rejection of Christ will present us, prevent us from entering heaven until our sins are forgiven. The sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross I'm sorry, is the only hope to bring us to a place of peace in our soul. Uh, and I'm, I'm just going to say again, I'm going to talk a lot about personal experiences, but, you know, accepting Jesus doesn't mean you're going to have a rich and rosy life. You, things are going to be wonderful, but you'll also have difficulties. Everybody does. You'll have trials. But if you know the Lord, chances are, depending upon your confidence in him, you will have peace. There's a peace that I cannot describe, I cannot uh, communicate other than, you know, others, when I talk to other Christians, they understand it, they get it. Um, you know, uh, just some very good friends of ours, neighbors, just wonderful people, uh, 
just you know um, good friend of mine and you know he's he, he's been dealing with cancer uh, but he has a peace and a glow about him that just and his wife that's just incredible. Um, and you know what was wonderful about him as he's going to the hospital and the treatments, he's preaching the gospel to the doctors and the nurses because he has that peace. And they're looking at him, going, "Well, wait a minute, hold on a second. You're the one with cancer," but he has that peace and confidence in God, and that's what we have that ability to. And P.S. By the way, those tumors are dis- disappearing, and some already have. Uh, but that's another subject. The death of our old sinful nature, when we identify ourselves with Christ's death on the cross, will open the door to finding true peace. So you may say, well, I'm not a sinner, or I'm a good person, or that, and we're going to get into that in a second, too. But I always say, if you just look at the law, look at the Ten Commandments, and, and we all have sinned. And I've, I've given you some pretty basic examples, uh, whether you've, you've stolen, uh, whether you've lied, uh, whether you've coveted something from, from a neighbor or you've gossiped and bear false witness or you've blasphemed against God. Um, all of these things I can say, maybe not all, but most, you know, I, I've done, I'm a sinner and I'm, again, I'm making this personal about me. And what does that make me? That makes me a liar. You know, if I've lied, that made me a liar. Uh, if I've stolen, it makes me a thief. And, and there's no way around that. And it's as simple as that, that you can confess your sins and Jesus will give you that forgiveness and he'll come into you, which is the great mystery and, 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 and the gift of the Holy Spirit. So this is the mystery that I'm talking about. We all are sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And so just as it's written in Scripture, anybody who is genuinely honest with yourselves you know in your heart when you do wrong. And what is that? That's a conviction. And, and where does that come from? Your conscience, your soul, your spirit. You know, if, if you've done somebody wrong and you're honest with yourself, you, you, you recognize that. So, and this is what Jesus offers us in return um, for that forgiveness so that we may move past it. And ultimately, um, you know, I would say the, 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 the deeper your walk and the more you go with him, you know, you're going to find those sins and those things you're not wanting to do, and it will just come, it will come naturally. I'm going to jump in the scripture of born again. Yes, I'm going to touch that born again business. Uh, so many people, and I, I don't think it's as prevalent today, but I, I know, you know, in the 90s, 2000s, you know, you say the word born again. I was raised a Catholic, and, you know, many people would look at being born again as some far out religion. And, you know, it's, it's anything but. And if you're following me on video, I've got the analogy of a caterpillar dying and ultimately, I would say, being resurrected and turning into a beautiful butterfly. And that, to me, is the quintessential example of, of salvation in Jesus Christ, where the old man dies and the new person, the new you, um, is born again. So I'm going to point to Nicodemus. Nicodemus privately came to Jesus and he asked them because he knew there was something very special about Jesus. He, they, you know, he was drawn to Jesus. He, he, he came to know Jesus. He came to love Jesus. And he answered and he said to him, so uh, um, Jesus answered him. I'm sorry. Let me, let, me, uh, let, let me say this. Jesus said in John 3, 3, I apologize. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So this was his answer to Nicodemus, who was answering, asking how he can get into the kingdom of heaven. And 
really what this means is to be born again, we must sinfully repent of our rebellion. Uh, Sincerely, sinfully. Sincerely repent of our sinful rebellion. We need to ask Jesus' forgiveness and wholeheartedly trust in Christ for the rest of our life. This spiritual decision will transform us forever. With this, God gives us new meaning and purpose for our lives. And 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, and the old has gone, and the new is here. So the old, if you're looking at it from the analogy of, of the caterpillar, and, and you know that, that's all gone. That's, that's all gone away. And it's the same thing. I can recall, um, you know, I was... Uh, I, I was not, you know, I, I was not, I was, I was not very good, let's say, before I came to the Lord. And, you know, when I did, and it was ultimately after years of knowing he was calling me and accepting that, that, that call. But what it, I remember this distinctively about six months in, into it, and I was at church I was attending in Central Jersey, and one of the choir directors just made a comment to me and said, you know, and she didn't really know me that well, just, you know, kind of knew me from afar. And she said, I see the world coming off of you. So just that physical appearance, whether I don't, with my demeanor or haircut or whatever it was, I don't know. But it was, it was a physical, tangible evidence that I was becoming a new person. I was, you know, that the light and the, and the happiness and the joy of Jesus was starting to uh, develop and, and show in me. And, you know, that's by nothing that, that, that I do, but by everything that, that Jesus did. So I wanted to show you something here, uh, which I, I think is a good analogy if you're following me on, on video. Let me start it by saying, uh, reading from Romans 14:11 through 12. As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess, so then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. So ultimately, it goes back to, we will have to give an account. And you will say, Jesus is Lord, at the end of your life, whether you've accepted him or not, because you'll you'll acknowledge what's in front of you. So on, on Judgment Day, when we all meet Jesus, everyone will know whether you've accepted or rejected this precious offer of salvation. When Jesus was, was on the cross, he paid the complete and final price for our sins. His final statement on the cross, it is finished. That's it. That's, that's the words he, he, he uttered. As the sinless Lamb of God, Jesus allowed himself to be offered as the perfect sacrifice to pay the price for our sins and to reconcile each of us to God. So I I look at this as a pardon, and I'm showing you uh, a man being let out of jail, and ultimately he's he's on his way out and into a free life. He's got to get his clothes and whatnot on. And it's almost where I see this as Jesus being there at the end of the uh, prison cell, welcoming him into his freedom, for there is freedom in Christ. So just as a pardon is sometimes offered to a prisoner awaiting execution, each of us must personally repent to accept the pardon that, that, that Jesus offers. The basis of God's judgment following our death will be our relationship with Jesus, not whether we are a good person or a bad person or I did this or she did that. It doesn't matter. This decision is the basis of our eternal destination. So whether you're going to be in heaven or you're going to be in in an absolute horror in the absence of Jesus, which is hell. So that's, that's, that's the stakes that are here, but that is the offering, that is the great mystery that is presented to you 
um, you know, for, for you to accept or reject. I, I have to approach this topic. Good people will get into heaven. I've encountered this personally with family members and uh, it grieves me. And, and, you know, people who, you know, were raised in church, I won't say which churches, but, you know, they're of the opinion that no matter what you do, if you're a good person, that's where you're going. And let me just say this, that that God is a a God of love. He wants everybody to come to uh, not only accept him, but have that life uh, in eternity with him. But if he lets good people who have not accepted him into heaven for their lifelong rejection of him, then that, that taints heaven. Consider if God allowed sinners who refuse to repent, he denies his own nature, just as a just and holy God. So it's impossible for him to allow somebody into heaven who has not accepted him. And, and, and again, it grieves me. I know people who, who believe this. And it just and if you just look at Scripture, it doesn't make any sense at all. Admitting unrepentant sinners into heaven would transform paradise into an actual place of hell or a section of hell. If an unrepentant soul were allowed into heaven, the sinfulness that he brings with him would destroy the holiness of heaven. That's, that's how significant your life is. That's how significant the mystery and the gift of Jesus is. That without him, we cannot obtain the holiness of heaven it is only through the sacrifice of Jesus and accepting him can we now embark into heaven. The cleansing of our souls requires the spiritual application of the blood of Jesus into our hearts to prepare us to live in a holy heaven. There's just no way around it. And if, and if you don't believe me or if you're a religious person and you think that's pretty harsh, let me read from you what the Apostle John writes here. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. So right there, very clear, John is laying it out for you. If you believe in him, if, if you do not believe in him, you're condemned. It goes on to say, and this is the judgment, the light that has come into the world, that's Jesus, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. So they consciously made that decision to reject Jesus, whether, you know, they didn't want to look that way or, or whatever the decision was. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it can be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. It is only through the light of Jesus will your light or your works uh, uh, um, I'm going to say, I don't know if evaluated is really the right word, but there are rewards that, let, let, let me put it that way. And that's, you know, that's another topic. And you, if, if you want to look it up, it's the Bama seat of Jesus. But there are rewards for those things that you've done on behalf of the Lord. But again, I just want to reiterate uh, that you cannot obtain heaven and an eternity uh, with him unless you've accepted him. Winding this down, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to read something that I consider a great mystery. 834 through 35. Then when he called his peoples unto him uh, with his disciples, he said, meaning Jesus, whoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So 
Jesus is acknowledging if you're going to come by him, it's not necessarily going to be easy. You're going to have your difficulties. People might make fun of you. People might say you're a born again, holy roller, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. But, you know, there there will some be some things. And he says, but you must deny yourself and accept that cross, accept that walk. Whoever will save his life shall lose it. Meaning that if you don't want to and you think I'm going to have a better life and I'm not going to go down that road, ultimately you're going to lose your life. But whoever shall lose his life for my sake, so you lose your life up front, put it down, and, and the Gospels, the same shall save it. So that life you will have. And I know that's that's the mystery. You know, uh, it, it, it almost sounds like a, an oxymoron, but if you look at it in, in the light of Jesus, that he's really saying, put your life down with me and mine, and then I will be in you. Uh, but if you reject it, you think you're going to have a good time in the interim for the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, so be it. But there'll be a price to pay. And I would say the latter mystery is Christ made manifest in you, which that that's ultimately what we're talking about is Jesus is resurrected, but now the end game is he's allowed did that or allowed that for you, the Holy Spirit to come into you and to live in you. So where that was that one Jesus on the cross, you now have, I, I, I forget what the latest numbers are. I think it's a little over 2 billion. I know it's over 2 billion. Um, but that many people, if, the, if that's accurate, that's how many representations of Jesus there is in the world. And that's where I'll say Satan just completely missed the mark because uh, I think he believed that he won when Jesus was crucified. And that was the beginning of the end. So let me just close with a couple of thoughts. The Lord promises an eternal life. He calls us to heaven. Our decision will not only change our destiny, but it provides peace today, as I, as I talked about. It's a challenge to live as a Christian today. Jesus commands, follow me as our decision to commit to Christ. It's going to transform our lives forever. And our commitment will allow divine grace and supernatural power to transform our life to one of joy and inexplicable spiritual peace. And, and you know, you're hearing me, but I, I guarantee you, if you don't know the Lord, talk to any Christians uh, and, and they'll tell you about a supernatural peace that they can't really properly explain or give justice to. But I'm sure they'll tell you that 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 peace is in them. Uh, John three sixteen. that's whoever shall believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Matthew twenty five thirty four. come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the, from the foundation of the world. <clears throat> Jesus has prepared a home for you. He's telling you everlasting life is here for you. John six forty. that everyone who sees the son believes in him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up on that last day. And John 1.12, he gave them power to become sons of God. So if you're a son of God, then that means you, you will share eternity with him. This is the great mystery. Uh, I'm going to wind this down right here. Because of our decision, decision, I'm sorry, we can now stand before the judgment seat of Christ because God clothed us in his righteousness. We will stand before the, the throne room. We will have to give an account. And unless you're clothed in the sacrificial blood of Jesus by the, 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 the robes of righteousness, game over. Um, and, and, and it's that serious. 
Um, Christ's atonement for our sins is the greatest mystery in all creation. I firmly believe that. Jesus is the only one in history who, by his sinless life, was personally qualified to enter into heaven uh, because of his obedience and his righteousness. The mystery of salvation is that he loved us so much, he chose to die on the cross to purchase our salvation. Inevitably, he became sin for us. In an indescribable act of mercy, the innocent righteousness of Jesus is placed into our account. We have an account in heaven. In a mystery beyond human understanding, Jesus Christ somehow became sin for us, and by us accepting this gift through faith in him, we become the righteousness of Christ and thereby qualified to enter into heaven. Only those that are pure and holy can enter into heaven. And that's you know what I was talking about when I, when, it, when I was saying that unless you've accepted Jesus, you are not getting into heaven no matter how good you think you are. When we accept Christ's sacrifice on the cross as a payment for our rebellion, the innocence and the holiness is placed into our account for he no longer sees the sinfulness in us, but he sees the righteousness in the Son of God. Jesus says in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Second Corinthians, Paul in 521, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So, you know, there you have it. Um, and I know that, you know, for many people, you, you might have thought this to be elementary. I don't. I, I don't. I, I think this is just a profound mystery that's been offered to the world. And, and, you know, I am so personally grateful. And when I look around the world today, whether you're a Christian or not, you know, you can see the signs. You can see the, the speed of which the world is, is, is coming to a very dangerous point. Uh, and I can... You know, just look, I can open up the, you know, you don't open the newspapers today, but you can you can look online and see the headlines. And, you know, I'm watching what's happening recently in Israel. And, uh, you know, all the prophetic signs are lining up what we're seeing in, in Europe, in the Middle East, in North Africa. It's, it's all lining up exactly as the prophet said it would. So ultimately, you know, that's your call. I'm going to leave you with this little slogan. Born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. So think about it. I'm not even going to elaborate. But it's so true. It's just six words. No, eight words. I have to do my math right. I'm going to say it again. Born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. It's true. Thank you so much for your time. I, I am very, very grateful uh, any questions, comments, please email me, russicoutlook at gmail.com if you have a prayer request. And if you've heard this and you didn't know who Jesus was or you hadn't accepted him, um, it, it, you know, it, part of the reason I wanted to do this is because it says, uh, you know, if you go to a church and, you know, and they'll tell you it is so simple, you just ask Jesus into your heart, and it is, but it is still a profound mystery that the world cannot understand. But he does say that if you confess your sins and, and acknowledge me as your Lord and Savior, I will come into your heart. And I'm giving you the, the abridged 2021 Mark Russick New York version, but it's, but it's that true. And, you know, I would strongly advise you to look into churches nearby or some friends or family that may be Christians and explain these things to you, talk these things through to you, 
there's and there's so much information online that you can find but it is that simple but it is that profound and the time is drawing near and and you know the book of revelation says this the time is near so i'll leave it at that so thank you again for joining me i hope you enjoyed this this is mark russick you've been listening to the russick outlook as always just my opinion